1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, the meaning and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Then my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We began a series about two months ago entitled, Taking Action Today for a Better Tomorrow. And whether you're new, whether you've been here a while, whether you're just getting started in the things of God, or whether you've been a believer for many, many years, the key is to evaluate your life, your circumstances, and to evaluate what action you need to take to go to new levels and to experience better and to experience God's best. You can take charge of your life and you can change your life for the better by taking action today for a better tomorrow. As we've learned, faith is the starting point and faith, it is fundamental, it is essential, it is the foundation, the beginning of building a successful life. But faith is not all that there is. More is required. Action is required. And so many times when someone says, well, pastor, I've been coming to church, I've been doing this or that, you know, what's the issue? The missing ingredient is often action. Smile at your neighbor and tell them action. Smile at your other neighbor and tell them action. action. Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 20, says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So our wonderful heavenly father, he is able to do immeasurably more. That's true. But what if we don't take any action? What if we don't demonstrate any initiative? Will he really do it all for us? And the answer is, of course not. The answer is no. So we're learning how to take action today for a better tomorrow. And today's message is Goal Setting 101. And we can't finish this all today, so we'll just see how far we get and finish the message next Sunday. Goal Setting 101. And here are some great quotes to inspire you. Lee Iacocca said, The ability to concentrate and to use your time well is everything if you want to succeed in business or almost anywhere else for that matter. Francis Bacon wrote, a wise man will make more opportunities than he finds. Vince Lombardi once said, winning isn't everything, 
but wanting to win is. What's he talking about? Desire, motivation, or as we learned a few Sundays ago, impetus. Aldous Huxley said, every ceiling when reached becomes a floor upon which one walks as a matter of course and prescriptive right. Phil McGraw wrote, know your goal, make a plan, pull the trigger. Seneca wrote, our plans miscarry because they have no aim. When a man does not know what harbor he is making for, no wind is the right wind. And the great Yogi Berra once said, if you don't know where you are going, you'll end up someplace else. As we said last Sunday, let's say the say, with the help of God, I'm going to set faith goals. And say, with the help of God, I'm going to reach my goals. So we're dealing with goal setting. And again, the point of these messages is not to look over at your neighbor and say, well, they need to work on these five things. The point is to evaluate your life, your circumstances, how far you've come, but how far God wants to take you, and to evaluate the action you need to take. Number one, Christian people often miss out on what they want in life because they lie to themselves just like the world. Number one, believers often miss out on what they want or desire in life because they lie to themselves just like the world. Turn in your Bible to James chapter 1, James 1 beginning in verse 22. And James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he wrote to believers, trying to help them, trying to encourage them, knowing the challenges, trying to help them. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. You know, one of the great travesties of what has gone on in the past two years in our nation and around the world is that all the lockdowns and various things, they have dramatically affected the number of God's people being faithful in church. Well, James here deals with the assumption that people are hearing the word, and the problem is they're hearing the word, but they're just not taking action on it. Well, what about believers that only hear the word once or twice a year? It's not enough. Because you know how it is. You can hear the word on Sunday, be, be full of faith, but here comes Satan on Monday, or here comes this relative on Monday, or here comes this coworker on Tuesday. We gotta stay full of faith. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Point to yourself and say, do what it says. And this is often the missing ingredient. We know the word. We know here what to do. We just have to do it. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Say, doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. And this is the bottom line, and this is the rub. See, God blesses us in what we do. Our Heavenly Father blesses us because of what we do. The blessing is in the doing. The blessing is in the obedience. The blessing is in the action. And there are a lot of believers, and they say, I love the Lord. I believe, I believe, I believe. But that in and of itself is not sufficient. We have to be doers of the word. And James says he will be blessed in what he does. 
And that is how it works. We're blessed in the doing. We're blessed in the obeying. We're blessed as we take action on the word. Verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So with any goal, the key is action. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing again and again and again while expecting a different result. So with any goal, with any area of life, the key is action. Tell your neighbor, smile and say, action. action. Tell your other neighbor, smile and say, action. action. Point at yourself and, and smile at yourself and say, action. action. That's the key. And if you want greater results, you have to take greater action. Now, last Sunday in the message, we learned that goals must be realistic to be achievable. The key is action. And if you want to reach your goals tomorrow or next month or next year, you have to take action today. Now, I know we just had Thanksgiving. I know Christmas is coming up, New Year's. So this example seems almost wrong, but let's do it anyway, amen? Let's use the example of losing weight. And again, you're, you might be absolutely horrified. I cannot believe he's going to do this. You know, it's America. And one of the topics you're not supposed to talk about in America or in the American church is gluttony. But our Heavenly Father loves us. He wants us to live long, healthy lives. And the Word of God literally covers it all. And He wants us to have His best. And how can we have His best? How can we enjoy life? How can you enjoy marriage? How can you enjoy parenting? if you're not physically where you ought to be. He loves us. So I know it seems almost wrong right after Thanksgiving, but be encouraged by that. We're all in it together. Amen. Some of us more than others. Of course, we would all like to be at our perfect weight, but we often lie to ourselves. We often sabotage our own efforts. And we all can think of examples, and maybe you've done it in your own life. This diet, that diet, this fad, that fad. The key is consistency. The key is action. Not just for a week or two or a month or two, but day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out. The key with action is being faithful and consistent. And this is why some people make no progress. My father's guys' night message this year was small tweaks lead to new peaks. And a lot of times what we do is we, we know we've got to get this area of our life under control. And so we say, we're going to do something radical. We're going to do something crazy. We're going to do something drastic. I'm not going to eat till New Year's. Well, that typically does not work. Amen. It's consistency. The power lies in being consistent. You've heard me share the example of how several years ago, Jessica got after me to not eat late at night. And when you eat late at night and get right in bed, somehow those calories just stay with you. And as you get older, your metabolism slows down. But it, it's amazing how I just feel better and am at my better weight when I don't do what? Eat late at night. Now, any family that has a large family, any family with a bunch of little ones understands this. You know, for us, it is a blessed moment when everybody is in bed and all is quiet. Julia, our fourth, she's four years old. 
and most nights she's good about staying in bed, but occasionally, maybe once every other week, there's a night, and she'll come out again and again and again, and she'll say, Daddy, I need a tissue. Daddy, I need a drink of water. Daddy, I need a tissue. Daddy, I need another drink of water. Then, then after that, it's, Daddy, now I have to go potty because you've given me these drinks of water. The other night, said, Daddy, my bottom hurts. And I told her, I said, if you come out of your room one more time, your bottom is going to hurt more than it does now. And so we, we did this rigmarole the other night. You know, and finally, I had to give her a spanking. No more getting out of bed. Then as the parent, you feel bad. Don't want them to go to bed that way. So then you go back in there. I, I love you, and you're wonderful, and you're, you're a princess, but princesses stay in bed. Well, you feel like you deserve to eat. So I went in the kitchen, and I poured myself a big glass of milk. Then I went in the pantry, and we had an emergency because there were no cookies. And the only cookies were, you know, my mom doesn't buy real Oreos. And so somehow those organic fake Oreos had made it from her house to our house. And they just aren't the same. But I looked at the, the back and I, I saw that with the organic, you can actually eat more of them because there's fewer calories. And whether they tasted good or not, my attitude was, I deserve it. <laughs> well, we've all done it. Have a rough day, little stressed, overeat. You know, and there's nothing like ice cream before bedtime to feel better. Amen? So we've all done it. The issue is not overdoing it once or twice. The issue is being consistent. You know, I marveled at Dr. T.L. Osborne as we spent time with him in the last decade decade and a half of his life, because I have never seen someone be so consistent and so controlled in their, their eating. It was truly amazing. You know, Kenneth Hagin used to talk about a minister living a fasted life. I haven't seen many people actually do that, but T.L. Osborne was something, someone that did that. He ate in moderation. He was very disciplined in eating in moderation. Whatever you do, the key is action. And the key is little by little. And the key is taking greater action today than yesterday. The key is being faithful and consistent. And remember, goals have to be realistic to be achievable. Now, say you're 50 pounds overweight. It's not a realistic goal to say you want to lose 50 pounds by next week or by the end of the year because of the holidays. That's just not realistic. And you know, don't, don't, don't be the person that is fasting at someone's birthday. That doesn't make you extra spiritual or get you points in heaven. So, so it's the holidays. So goals have to be realistic to be achievable. So you got to do two things. First, you have to set realistic and achievable goals. And this may mean that you need time to reach your goal. Second, break your goal into bite-sized, reasonable pieces. Many years ago, my parents heard Dr. Robert Schuller say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, little by little. And all things are possible with the help of God, and you can do anything if you break your goal into bite-sized pieces. So losing 50 pounds by the end of the year is not a realistic, achievable goal. 
but what if your goal is to just lose one pound every week or half a pound every week? That's doable, right? I said that, that's doable, right? Now, I know that we're, we're Americans and we want results by tomorrow. You know, we want to go to the store, buy the enchilada TV dinner, put it in the microwave a minute and a half, boom, you're ready to go. That's not good for you. And dramatic, crazy, extreme things aren't good for you either. They're not good for your body. They're not good for your heart, for your mind, for your emotions. You got to set realistic goals in bite-sized, achievable pieces. So if someone needed to lose, say, 50 pounds, that could be their long-term goal. Their short-term goal could be to lose a pound every week. Their immediate-term goal could be to lose four pounds each month. And in many of these areas of our lives, we can make dramatic progress over time by taking some action, by taking greater action, and then by being faithful and consistent. Say consistent. consistent. That, that, that's the key, being consistent. Now let's deal with money. So we're off, we're off weight. Everybody can breathe easier. Amen. And look, I know. We went, drove through Andy's the other day for the kids and one or two of them didn't like something. So that, that is sitting in my freezer right now. And if they don't want it, it must be for me. Amen. <laughs> I, I understand. But our Heavenly Father loves us. And he wants us to live long, healthy lives. Amen. So we got to take care of ourselves. Now let's deal with money. We all want more than enough. We all want plenty. We all want savings. We all like there being more money in the account than less money or no money. But to reach those goals, you have to take action today for a better tomorrow. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same things while expecting a different result. The key is action. The key is greater action. And you have to take action today for a better tomorrow. The key is little by little. The key is taking greater action today than yesterday. The key with action is being faithful and consistent. And this is why some people make no progress. And remember, goals have to be realistic to be achievable. And if I asked how many of you would like to be a millionaire, if we're honest, everyone would say yes. But here's the problem. Very few take action toward that goal. We would all like plenty. We would all like more than enough. We would all like to have plenty in savings. But too often we lie to ourselves and we sabotage our own efforts. Here are some interesting statistics. Fewer than 1% of all Americans are millionaires. And you understand money today is not worth what it was yesterday or last week and last month because of our ridiculous government. 39% of all Americans have no net worth. Say, say none. Say zero. 39% have no net worth. And you understand politicians in Washington are right now, they're digging that hole deeper. 75% of all Americans don't have $10,000 in savings. 58% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. But friends, there are no excuses. The key is action. Now, many years ago, my father wrote a book called 80-10-10, God's Plan, and honoring God with 10% of all that crossed our hands. What's the second 10? Setting aside at least 10% for you, for your family, for your future. The key is action. Tell your neighbor, say, action. action. And a lot of times what we do in lying to ourselves, we say, well, I want to save this great big amount. 
but I don't see any way to do it, so I do, what do we end up doing? Nothing. I told Jessica just a few weeks ago that in hearing the complaints or the problems of people, problems are ongoing because people don't take action, and they don't take greater action. And there are those that didn't have savings 10 years ago, but they have no savings today because they've not been taking any action. They haven't even saved or set aside $100 a month. Now, let's, let's consider an example. Let's say a high school graduate gets a job and start, starts out making just $25,000 a year. Maybe he never advances or moves into management. Let's say he only averages a 3% raise each year. Now, here's the key. Let's say, though, that he saves 10% of all that he makes, and he puts that money into a tax-deferred savings plan, like an IRA. He's conservative and only invests in the S&P 500 mutual fund. Well, in just doing that at age 60, he would have more than $1.145 million. So there are no excuses. Tell your neighbor, say, there are no excuses. It's amazing, isn't it? The key is action. What if that same young man was more aggressive and instead invested only in the NASDAQ 100? At age 60, he would have $5.9 million. It's amazing. The key is action. And not just for a day or two or a week or two, but month after month, year after year, faithful and consistent. And it's human nature. You know, if you can get your hands on it and spend it, we do. So you've got to put it into a vehicle where it is extraordinarily difficult to touch it because it is human nature. The key is action. The key is little by little. The key is taking greater action today than yesterday. You've all heard me tell the story, and maybe I've shared it a thousand times. You don't want to hear it again. Here it comes. When I was 15 and I was so excited about starting out and working part-time here at the church. And I, I knew how many hours I had worked that two weeks. And I, I figured my pay, which in those years starting out, I think it was $6 an hour. And so I knew, I knew what the paycheck was supposed to be, but I got it and I opened it up and it was less than I expected. Well, I hadn't, as a 15-year-old, I hadn't thought about the money that would be deducted for taxes. Bummer, huh? But then I saw that there was not just a deduction for taxes for the federal government, I saw that there was another deduction going to what, because this is a nonprofit, going to a 403B fund for myself, and that my father had told the office that from this day going forward, any paycheck I ever received, 15% would be deducted for savings. Now, when I was 15 years old, I was not thrilled about that. That was a major bummer. But again, if all these years my father had not required that I do that as a young man before marriage or once married, what, what do we do with that money? What do we do with the 5% or the 10% or the 15%? It, get, you, it gets used up. It gets spent. It gets spent on this or that. And we, we, If we're honest, we all know because you think, well, what did we do this month? And you can't even sometimes identify what all it was. But if I told you today what that 15% has grown to over the course of nearly 25 years, you would fall out of your chair. You wouldn't believe it. 
but it's being faithful and consistent for nearly how many years? 25 years. It's the key is action. The key is being faithful and consistent. You might say, Pastor, I'm not 18. Well, maybe you're 35 years old and you've never saved anything. Let's say you currently make $75,000 a year. And from this point forward, your average raise is just 3% each year. And you might, because you've never saved, you might need to take more action. So let's say you save 15% of all that you make and put that money into a tax-deferred savings plan like an IRA. If you're super conservative and only invested in the S&P 500, at age 60, you would have about $1.195 million. Let's say you were more aggressive and put it in the NASDAQ 100. At age 60, you'd have about $2.7 million. Now, you wouldn't be as well off as that young person that started out at the very beginning, but if you take action and begin taking action now, you'll be better off than if you take no action. Smile at your neighbor, tell them no excuses. Smile at your other neighbor, tell them no excuses. In the fellowship atrium once a man walked up to my father and said, Pastor, at my work they do retirement matching. Should I take advantage of that? Yes. And you might say, Austin, this is all new to me. Why do we deal with these things? We love you. We want you to walk in the blessing of the Lord. And again, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing while expecting a different result. If you want a better tomorrow, you have to take action today. The key is action. If you are inconsistent, time is your enemy. But if you'll become a consistent person, time will be your friend. Anyone can save money for five minutes. Anyone can eat right for five minutes. Anyone cannot sin for five minutes. Anyone can exercise for five minutes. The key is action. The key is consistent, repeated action. You may not think you can, but you can. Just have to get started. And so you might start with saving $1,000, then $5,000, then $10,000. Maybe at work you might say, Austin, I'm not sure I can start with saving 10%. Well, why not start immediately with 1% or 2% or 5%? But again, this is, this is what I see pastorally whether it's with money or other areas. Pe people want to get to this great big destination. They don't see how they can do it. They want to get there overnight. They don't see how they can do it, so then they don't take any action. But if you don't take any action, you'll never get there. If you don't take any action, you'll never make some progress toward your goal. You got to take action. You got to take more action today than you did yesterday. We love you, and we're here to tell you that if you don't take action... If you don't take any new action, your life and your circumstances will never change for the better. Say, with the help of God, I'm going to set faith goals. Say, with the help of God, I'm going to reach those goals. Number two, Christian people oftentimes miss out on what they want in life because they lack consistency and focus. Believers often miss out on what they want in life because they lack consistency and focus. Paul Meyer once said, crystallize your goals. Make a plan for achieving them and set yourself a deadline. Then with supreme confidence, determination, and disregard for obstacles and other people's criticisms, carry out your plan. Brian Tracy said, the most important key to achieving great success is to decide upon your goal. 
to launch, to get started, to take action, to move. Mary Kay said an average person with average talents and ambition and average education can outstrip the most brilliant genius in our society if that person has clear, focused goals. Zig Ziglar said goals are dreams we convert to plans and take action to fulfill. So you got to have an action plan, whether it's in your health, your physical body, you got to have an action plan. Whether it's in money or finances, you got to have an action plan. To accomplish anything in life, you've got to get all the forces of your life lined up and moving in the same direction. Your faith, your confession, and your actions. If you want to accomplish your goals, if you want to see your dreams and desires become a reality, then you have to make the law of corresponding action work for you, not against you. Turn in your Bibles to the book of James again. James 2, beginning in verse 14. And I'll be reading this out of the Weymouth translation. James 2, beginning in verse 14. What good is it, my brethren, if a man professes to have faith, yet his actions do not correspond? You know, it's, it, it is amazing how the people of God experience defeat unnecessarily. Over Thanksgiving, I was getting emergency counseling requests but it's from someone that's not been in church in a year and a half. Well, why is there an emergency? They haven't been doing the Word. They haven't been taking action on the Word. So then there's an emergency. The issue is action. The issue is obedience. The issue is corresponding action. Because we've helped people with religious exemption requests. We've helped several wonderful believers that are faithful and are a part of other churches because their own pastor won't help them. So in those situations, I've been kind, I've been gracious. Yeah, I understand your predicament. I'll help. But you know what amazes me? People that not just haven't been in church here in 10 years, people that haven't been in church anywhere in 10 years, they want what? A religious exemption. For what? You don't go to church. Not here. Not anywhere. You're not even Catholic or Presbyterian. And of course, the deadline's Tuesday, so it is a bona fide emergency. And you know me, I'm a nice guy, amen. So I don't put in the email, get your butt back in church. But that's what I'm thinking. But how, how can you live a life blessed by God if you're not a doer of the word? How can you be blessed in your marriage and blessed in your family and blessed in your parenting and blessed in your work? How can you be the kind of person that prays and heaven answers if you're not a doer of the word? And so it is amazing the disconnect in our culture today. People that they want the Lord to do something for them or they want a pastor to do something for them and they're not a doer of the word. What good is it, my brethren, if a man professes to have faith and yet his actions do not correspond. Can such faith save him? Suppose a Christian brother or sister is poorly clad or lacks daily food, and one of you says, I wish you well, keep yourself warm and well fed, and yet you do not give them what they need. What is the use of that? So also faith, if it is unaccompanied by obedience. Say obedience. So also faith, if it is unaccompanied by obedience, has no life in it. 
so long as it stands alone. Nay, someone will say, you have faith, I have actions. Prove to me your faith apart from corresponding actions, and I will prove mine to you by my actions. So our faith, what we really believe, it is evidenced by what we do. And in these days, when the world is so full of fear and we're full of faith, the fact that we're full of faith is evidenced by what we do. The issue, and this is why the Weymouth translation is so great, is because it uses this phrase, corresponding actions. If you want to live a blessed life, if you want to live a victorious life, you got to have corresponding action working for you, not against you. If you want to live a blessed life, you've got to have corresponding action working for you, not against you. So in your finances, you got to have corresponding action working for you, not against you. In terms of your goals, in terms of your, your body and your, your weight and your, your lifestyle, you got to have corresponding action working for you, not against you. And listen, there, there, there's no point having a wrong attitude about the blessing of the Lord. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He wants us to be blessed. And all of this works together. Any parent knows it costs more money to take your family to Chick-fil-A than McDonald's. Why? Because the food is of better quality at Chick-fil-A than McDonald's. At Chick-fil-A, the chicken, it is real chicken. And uh, our children understand the difference. Because once or twice I drove them through McDonald's and they let me know, this is not going to cut it. <laughs> when you go to the grocery store and you want to buy good food, quality food, better food, organic food, it costs more, not less. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He wants us to walk in His blessing. But to do that, our life has to have corresponding action. You believe that God is one and you are right. Evil spirits believe this and shudder. But idle boaster, are you willing to be taught how it is that faith apart from obedience, it is worthless? Take the case of Abraham, our father. Was it or was it not because of his actions that he was declared to be righteous as the result of having offered up his son Isaac upon the altar? You notice his faith was cooperating with his actions. And by his actions, his faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and his faith was placed to his credit as righteousness, and he received the name God's friend. You all see that it is because of actions, say actions, that a man is pronounced righteous and not simply because of faith. And the same way was also the notorious sinner Rahab declared to be righteous because of her actions when she welcomed the spies and hurriedly helped them to escape another way. For just as a human body without a spirit is lifeless, so also faith is lifeless if it is unaccompanied by obedience. If you want to end this year better than last year, if you want to end 2022 better than we're about to end 2021, you have your goals. You have what you're believing God for. You have your dreams and desires but now you have to join all of that to corresponding action. Got to have short-term goals, intermediate-term goals, long-term goals. And to end next year better than this year, you've got to join what you're believing God for and your confession, your goals to your corresponding action. 
And maybe you can't do yet as much as you want to do. Maybe you can't take yet as much as the action you want to take. Some action is better than no action at all. A little bit of action is better than no action at all. So you've got to begin taking those baby steps, little by little, taking action toward your goal. And again, we see in James that the blessing is in obedience. The blessing is in the doing. So as you start out taking those steps of faith, which are steps of action, and line all the forces of your life up, moving in the same direction, God will bless the action you're taking. God will bless the baby steps you're taking, and he will empower you to take greater action. And that's how, over time, with the help of God, you can reach your goals. With him, all things are possible. But to have a better tomorrow, you have to take action when? Today, right now. And you might say, Austin, wonderful message. I'm going to look into that savings plan thing next year. Uh, wrong. <laughs> Got to go to work tomorrow. Talk to human resources. Find out what, what the plan is, what the options are, and begin taking action. And maybe you can't get started yet at 7.5% or 10%, but surely you can start at 1%. Surely you can start at 2%. You might say, Austin, I'm going to miss that 1% so much. I thought we served the Alpha and the Omega. I thought we served the first and the last. I thought we served Jehovah Jireh. I thought we served El Shaddai. You're, you're telling me he can't empower you to do 1% or 5%? You're telling me he can't make it up to you? See, that's how people lie to themselves and they talk themselves out of taking action. When you join corresponding action to your goals and begin taking action, he'll bless you. He'll empower you. He'll enable you to get there faster than you ever thought possible. Please bow your heads. You might be here today. Perhaps you have never given your life to the Lord. You've heard me describe how wonderful, how good our Heavenly Father is, but you, you don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to know God. The only way to have a relationship with God, the only way to walk with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. By giving your life to him, he gave his life for you. The Bible says that God so loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's how you come to know God. That's how you become a part of of the family of God. It is through Jesus. It is by asking him to be your Lord, your Savior, giving your life to him. The Bible tells us that he is standing at the door of your life. He's, he's knocking, but you have to open the door. You have to ask him to come in. Whether you're here in person or watching online, our Heavenly Father, he loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. If you're here this morning and say, Austin, I've never done that. I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I've never given my life to him, but I want to. I want to become a part of the family of God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise your hand high, raise it clearly so I'll know. Thank you. I'll know that you want me to pray with you. Give your life to the Lord. 
You might also be here and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you, you know in your heart you've not been living for the Lord. Your life has not had corresponding action. You've done your own thing. You've lived your own way and you have paid a price for it. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning, a fresh start today. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I know I need to recommit my life. That's you this morning. Say, Austin, I need to recommit my life. I need to make things right with God before I leave the day. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand clearly. Raise your hand high so I'll know you want me to pray with you. For the sake of those that raise their hands, I'm gonna ask that you gather your belongings. That way you're not worried about them, that you come join me at the front. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't raise your hand for either invitation, but the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart and you know you need to give your life to the Lord. You know you need to recommit your life. You need to make things right. Even if you didn't raise your hand, come join us at the front. We're going to pray. No one will think a thing of it. They will be excited for you. They will cheer you on. They will be thrilled for you. So if you raised your hand or didn't, grab your belongings, step boldly out in the aisle, come join me at the front. We're going to pray. God bless you. God bless you. What's your name? Alvaro. What's your name? Alvaro. Alvaro? Alvaro. Alvaro? Alvaro. Alvaro? Okay. My name's Austin. God bless you. Repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray along with her. If you're watching or listening online and know this is for you, pray with me. Repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I give you my life. And time's gone by. I've lived for myself, and I have paid the price. But today, I give my life to you. I believe that Jesus, he lived on my behalf. I believe that he paid the price for my sins. I believe that he suffered and he died on my behalf. And I believe you raised him from the dead. I give you my life. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I will live for you. I will love your word. I will be faithful in your house. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I ask that your hand of blessing would be upon this precious lady who had the courage to come forward. I ask that you would bless her. I ask that you would do many wonderful things in her life, her circumstances, to show her, to demonstrate to her your love for her. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you'll take just a moment and go with Miss Bethany here and Cameron Butler, they've got some things to bless you with and they'll get you right back into the service. God bless you.
Now, last two Sundays, at the end of the message, we prayed and asked the Lord for help, for ideas. Now, that's one of the wonderful roles of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, he, he is our comforter. He is our counselor. We know from the Word of God, He is the one who leads us, and He guides us, and He directs us. So, in your life, whatever the challenges are, in your life, whatever the goals are, if you'll ask the Lord for help, He'll help you. If you ask the Holy Spirit for ideas, he'll help you. And if you ask for his help in setting goals and an action plan, he'll help you. And he'll give you wisdom and what to do and the action to take to help you get to that blessed place. Amen? I hope the message was a blessing and encouragement to you. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.